How often in life do you get to do something twice? We wanted to do that this time, you know, our way and not make some of the mistakes we made the first time around as kids. Why are Nike's Chunky Dunky sneakers selling for $6,000 on eBay? How did Mickey Mouse find his way onto a face mask? Exactly how did all that Stranger Things gear land in your shopping cart? We explore what makes you click buy on the products that stand out above the rest, thanks to a little thing called brand licensing. Welcome to the Licensing Mixtape, a podcast by License Global. Hello, and welcome to the Licensing Mixtape. I'm Bibi Wardak, content editor at License Global. And today, I'm sure you can hear me smiling through the audio waves because we have a very special guest joining us. He is a multi-award winning, internationally acclaimed, beloved artist and certified pop music superstar. Today we are joined by Danny Wood of the music mega group New Kids on the Block. Danny, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, you're welcome. That was uh, I haven't had an introduction like that probably ever in my <laughs> 35 year career. But thank you. <laughs> I'm sure you have. So. I'm going to try to keep our discussion as business focused as possible, but as your fan and as your friend, I am so geeked. This is so cool. It's such an incredible treat for me and for the fans that are tuning in, but it's also a really great opportunity for our listeners to hear a no holds bar, honest talk about the licensing journey from a musical artist's perspective a very famous musical artist at that. So thank you again and welcome Danny. So in the licensing industry, the central figure known to spearhead licensed music merchandise and kind of known casually as the man behind the band T is Del Ferrano. Del is the founder and CEO of Epic Rights. In 2017, he did an interview with Billboard magazine and they asked him, which act really broke the retail market wide open in terms of licensed music merchandise. And this was his response, quote, New Kids on the Block in 1987 and 1988 with a massive tour and the first huge blowout by a boy band at retail. It was dolls, action figures, breakfast cereals, a McDonald's promotion, sneakers, all kinds of apparel. We made a big deal with JCPenney and we took their family members on tour to different stores to host events. New Kids was a watershed artist. So... As far as our industry is concerned, New Kids kind of paved the way for music merchandise. And, you know, I remember my mom taking my sister and I shopping at Target in the San Fernando Valley suburb of Los Angeles during that time. And every single department of Target had New Kids merch. I mean, all of them. Apparel, bedding, lunchboxes, pins, trading cards, you name it. As an artist... And a young artist at that time, uh, were you aware of the sheer magnitude of merchandise behind New Kids? And did you know you kind of paved the way for music merchandising as we know it today? Well, to be honest, it's not exactly uh, one of the things, I mean, I think I could speak for the whole group (laughs) that we're really proud of. Because at the time we were, you know, in our early 20s and our youngest guy was still a teenager. Joe was still in his teens. Um, We didn't know a lot of this stuff was being approved to be made. And our manager at the time, it was a guy named Dick Scott. And probably Dell didn't even know because we have a long long history with Dell and we we all like him. And he did a lot of great things for us. But our manager was just kind of approving everything. So uh, a couple of things you listed, uh, well, Dell listed, sneakers and cereal never happened. (laughs) Um, 
L- LA Gear wanted to do a sneaker with us, but being from Boston, uh, <laughs> we, we couldn't do it. I mean, they did a whole presentation at like a sneaker convention and had girls there dancing. It was a to one of our songs. It was a whole thing, and we already knew they, we already kind of turned them down. They knew we were not into it, and um, so that didn't happen. And the cereal, they I mean, they sent us sample boxes, and this was at the time we were finally like realizing how much merchandise was out there. So we just you know we said no. I think the kind of that like did it for us is I was in a toy store and I think it might have been me and Donnie in a toy store and we saw these um stuffed animal dolls and we never approved them and you know we had just done like the Ken dolls um and those were fine because we approved them we approved the outfits they had on and stuff so that was it for us we were kind of like we had to reel everything back in and you know have a serious talk with our manager and our team of people and it's it's one of the things that like I uh like now in the business business I, I keep an eye on everything and nothing gets done without the five of us approving it but you know it's nice that we paved the way for some people to have opportunities to do those things and for me it's not the thing I'm most proud of the new kids also pioneered another major aspect of Americana the Super Bowl halftime show in 1991, New Kids on the Block performed during the NFL's Super Bowl halftime show in a performance sponsored by the Walt Disney Company and Coca-Cola. Before your performance, most halftime shows featured performances by unnamed marching bands. So as a huge fan of the NFL today, which I know you are, mm-hmm. what, do, what do you remember most about that pivotal Super Bowl halftime performance in could you have ever imagined that that halftime show would have ballooned into one of the biggest annual entertainment performances, not just in the U.S., but worldwide? Well, I, we can't really take credit for that. I mean, we were the first kind of artist to do it. But first of all, no one saw it during the game because the president spoke at halftime instead. You know, he, we, <laughs> no one saw it. So, I mean, I think it would have been a bigger deal if people you know, watched it, but no one got to see it. I think they, you know, and it got replayed the Super Bowl and then it was seen. But for me, um, it's probably, I mean, honestly, it's another thing I'm not 100% proud of because we were also rehearsing the American Music Awards at the time. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like a, we were like overloaded with uh, that and, um, you know, dealing with the people from Disney who really had like this idea I mean, they were looking at me like I was like 15 and I was in my early 20s and, you know, they had all these ideas and outfits they wanted us to wear. And, you know, we're in this meeting and I'm just like, listen, I'm not doing it like I'll wear certain things, but I'm only going to go so far with what you want us to wear. And then the other thing was like they wanted us to and this did happen. They want us to finish singing. It's a small world with a bunch of kids. Really? Yeah, I mean, that's at the end of the performance. It happens, but, like, you kind of see me fade into the back. Like, I just, you know. (laughs) Right. It was one of the things, like, we were doing the American Music Awards, which we had total control over, and we, I definitely spoke up at the time that it was too much for us to do both. And we did both. You know, I was kind of happy people didn't get to see the halftime thing. In all sincerity, but you were the first major entertainment brand, like yes. so, because before you, it was like I said, like marching bands and just run of the mill kind of stuff. You 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 started this trend. Like now, whoever performs at the Super Bowl halftime show, it's like a huge deal every year. 
Right. But no one saw it, like I said. So it wasn't a big deal. No one made a big deal about it. And it it even wasn't like we were the first because no one saw it. So it was like, <laughs> that was it. Like, it, we did it, but it wasn't seen. And, you know, we kind of just, you know, moved on from it. And, you know, it's up on YouTube and all that stuff. And it, it's fine. I, I mean, I've, I've watched it since and it's we, we were fine. It's not one of our greatest performances. I think the artists that came after us probably weren't even aware that we did it. Yeah, you're far too humble, Danny. Like, you really are. (laughs) That's not humble. I'm being honest. Like, you're going to ask me these questions. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Now that the group has gotten back together and we've been together 12 years again, um, these are some of the things we don't do. We don't overload ourselves. We don't license everything out to everybody. And so it's, you know, you live and you learn. And it's not, I don't regret doing the halftime. But, you know, it's not one of the moments like in our first run, it's not something I think of often. Right. And speaking of Coca-Cola, Nucas in the Block inked a huge deal with Coca-Cola in 1990, resulting in a huge television commercial campaign. I could still quote the lyrics verbatim to the song, but from an artist's perspective, what was it like to be the central figure in a campaign for a huge brand like Coca-Cola, the likes of which we've never seen before besides Michael Jackson's commercial with Pepsi before you. Okay. So here we go. Three strikes and you're out (laughs) because this is once again, not that I'm not proud of the commercials and what we did and even the, the, the jingle, you know, for the, for the commercial was great. Right. What happened is, and it wasn't our fault is it was this big campaign because they had these magic cans that felt like real cans, but when you opened it, money popped out of them. Right. So this was the whole pitch from Coca-Cola to us once again in a like in a a room at a hotel, like a, you know, a a meeting room at a hotel. And, you know, they're pitching it to us. And, you know, we're worn out and like, you know, overworked at the time. And we were all into it. We were all said yes. And it was it was a big commitment because it was like over the course of a month, we had to film like these, these different commercials. So it was a big commitment. It just, you know, the cans didn't work. So so they had to, like, pull all the references to the can and that kind of cut the commercials in half. So it was another thing that was like (laughs) we we were excited about and we were into it. And they sponsored like the tour we did that summer and all that. And but it was honestly, it was disappointing. Mm -hmm. But adding to the incredible whirlwind in 1990, ABC and the Disney Channel aired a new kids on the block branded cartoon. It was every fan's dream come true. How involved were you and the guys in that animation process or in the collaboration process? And have you ever watched the episodes now with your family? I haven't. I actually do have the the cartoons somewhere on dvd i gotta look for them actually i i you know it's we one of the things we wanted to do honestly the the time commitment like we couldn't we wanted to do the voices but like we were on tour it was almost impossible to do so it was kind of one of those things we agreed to do and then our commitment was minimal you know we didn't we didn't really get involved that much. I mm-hmm. I remember seeing that they they had a Christmas special that was really good. Um, it was so good. Yeah. 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 I mean, but honestly, like, not. It was one season, so obviously it wasn't successful. So it's once again you, now you're on four strikes. I don't regret it, but it's <laughs> kind of like another thing. Like, and it's not even something the fans talk about often because it was one season and it's not like embedded in their memories from when they were young 
the fans have so much like a wealth of memories to draw from. So let's just fast forward. So fast forwarding a bit from the nineties, which I can't even depict the, the fame and the fandom of the nineties, but let's just fast forward after achieving unbelievable international success. The new kids took a hiatus and reunited again in 2008 as popular as ever not just among the nostalgic fans like me, but among a whole new generation of fans. So since 2008, since the 2008 reunion, you've headlined Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve more than once. You've packed New York City's Times Square performing for the Today Show. You've toured the world several times over. You've released new albums. Can you tell us a bit about the incredible success you've achieved since the reunion, even surpassing your first run? Uh, yeah, it's just been a complete blessing. And um, how often in life do you get to do something twice? And then, you know, honestly, try. we wanted to do that this time, you know, our way and not make the some of the mistakes we made the first time around as kids and young men. I just, I'm very proud of everything we've done since 2008. We've done a lot of really great new music and songs that have stuck in our set list along with all the old hits. So I'm really proud of the new music, proud of like how uh, many tours we've done, the groups we've toured with. Um, our last tour in 2019, we sold over 600,000 tickets. So that was like, wow. yeah, wow. that was that was bigger than anything we've done, we did as kids. So, you know, it's a really proud moment for us. But more than anything, I'm proud of the relationship between the five of us and the fans. It's become more of uh, a family than fans and a group. They have, they've, you know, we've also done 10 cruises where they have direct access to us, you know, over four days on a boat. So it's just us and them all on a boat, no cell phones, no nothing. So, We've kind of gotten to know a lot of these girls and they've, you know, a lot of familiar faces. And I'm more proud of that, um, the relationship between us and the fans. Right. And through this entire reunion, um, I've been at several shows and I've seen your merchandise just like fly off the shelves at the shows. Is mm. Live is Live Nation the managers behind your merchandise at shows? Uh, yeah, they are. But we're directly involved in all that. And like I said earlier, nothing gets sold or anything un until the five of us approve it. So, you know, we, we keep tabs on everything and we're always trying to improve the products that we have at shows for people to buy. But yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's definitely a lot better now because we know exactly what's being sold and, um, you know, it's quality stuff. Right. And um, what people might not know about you specifically, Danny, which I do know just from talking to you and being your friend, is that you're incredibly business savvy and extremely hands on when it comes to New Kids on the Block merchandise. So I've, I've been on the phone with you when you've had to step away and approve an Urban Outfitters T-shirt. Uh, or something like that. So merchandise really does matter to you. And you've had unbelievable, um, unbelievably popular lines at Walmart, Target, Forever 21, and Urban Outfitters. How involved are you in the approval process? And what is it specifically that you are making sure comes across on each product? When we got back together in 2008, there was certain things I wasn't going to do the reunion if things weren't done the way we wanted them done. So mm -hmm. I got involved in kind of the behind the scenes stuff just so there's someone representing the five of us keeping tabs on the merch company and our accountants and our manager and whatever. You know, other guys in the group do more of the creative stuff. But, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just don't I kind of want to know everything. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want conversations going on that 
I didn't know about or wasn't involved in. So, you know, I took the first thing I started with was the merchandise company and working with them. And in 2008, you know, there were some good things and some bad things, but quickly we kind of got the the products that we were selling better quality. So my main thing is quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, is I want the fans to, you know, get uh, quality products for what they're buying. So I always focus on that. I have samples sent to my house to make sure like the t-shirts are nice and whatever else we're selling, you know, the hoodies and the mugs and, you know, all that stuff. I just want to make sure it's quality. And um, when people, you know, put their hard-earned money up, you know, to get in a good product. Absolutely. And it, it always is. And it's proven to be since 2008. So New Kids on the Block also had a deal with Viacom CBS's Pop TV for this great series that I was such a big fan of called Rock the Boat. Uh, which followed you guys on your annual New Kids-themed cruise, which you mentioned earlier. Can you tell me a bit about that show and that amazing annual cruise? Uh, The cruise, it's pretty ironic because it's also one of the things we did when we were younger and had a horrible time. It was, you know, basically, it was with Coca-Cola, and we did two boats Mm -hmm. and full of fans, And the boat we were on had some of our family and friends, whoever we wanted to go. And it was just a disaster. It was too like we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything, you know, because it was all it was pandemonium like on the boat. So in 2008, our manager comes into the dress room was like, I got a call about a cruise. What do you guys (laughs) think? And we all just kind of looked at each other and we had a different feeling about the fans. You know, we were kind of talking to these girls and doing meet and greets. And it was, you know, way different than when we were young. And we kind of just all said yes, but said yes, kind of not knowing what we were getting into. Right. Because we didn't have a plan getting on the boat. We had some rough ideas of what we wanted to do. So the first cruise we get on and there's like a sail away party is the first time the fans are really going to see us aside from walking on the boat. And it was just, it was crazy. It was just you know, all grown women now partying and, you know, in bikinis and just having a ball and drinking. And we were kind of blown away. So from the first cruise, we kind of each year have worked on it and made it better. And we have like theme nights every night. And, you know, it's become kind of like it's it's kind of like a destination for the fans. Mm-hmm. And they kind of they have high expectations now because, you know, they get selfies with us. We're just all over the boat. And, you know, there's access to us. And we do meet and greets on the boat. There's all kind of events, individual events and all that. So we've made it like this uh, really great event for the fans over four days to be with us. And it's one of the things like I'm, we've done 10 of them and I'm really proud of it. I get to bring my family. My dad has gone on every one. So it's 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 it couldn't be any better. It's such an amazing event. I haven't been on one, but I have friends that have been on one on these cruises and they're just so they're so intimate. And you guys, you guys really spend a lot of time with your fans. Um, like you said, your your dad, your your kids are on the cruise. They're so intimate and they're so great. And they were chronicled on that TV show. And as you know, Danny, this year, unfortunately, live events have come to like a screeching halt, you know, because mm. of COVID-19. And I know New Kids on the Block were on an amazing tour cadence. I think you guys were touring every other year, extremely prolific, touring with Backstreet Boys, Salt and Pepper, Nelly, TLC, Boys to Men. You have such a personal, genuine connection with your fans and your fan base. You know many of them by name. Um, I do too. Have you been staying in touch with your fans since quarantine? Can you tell us about the virtual cruise, your live streams, and the 2017 Fenway Park performance live stream? 
Well, when the quarantine started in April, we were supposed to do our 11th cruise. Obviously, leading up to it, we knew it was going to have to be canceled. So the five of us and our team of people started talking about something we could do on that weekend for the fans. And someone mentioned like a virtual cruise. And then, you know, everyone just started spitting out ideas on how to make it feel like the cruise, but all be done online. And we did some individual events like I baked some cookies that um, and I answered tons of questions as I was doing it. So we just wanted to, like, give them something on that weekend. Obviously, we got all their money back and we were happy about that, but we wanted to give them an event. After we did that, and it was a blast, I mean, it was, everyone had a ball doing it. I mean, girls actually dressed up at their houses, you know, in the outfits they were gonna wear on the cruise. So it was great. So moving forward, we decided to do live streams like once a month just to stay in contact with the fans. Those have been fun, but then we had to move our Fenway show, which was going to be in September, this September we're in right now, uh, the 18th or 19th. We, we knew we'd have to move that. We moved it to next year in July. So we were thinking, what could we do for the fans on like on that weekend? So we released the sizzle reel, you know, that kind of showed highlights of our 2017 Fenway Park show, which no one, unless you were there, no one had seen this footage. And we're lucky because we kind of plan things like each tour, we try to film one show and record one show. Right. So it's just a good thing that we were all, the five of us are kind of smart that way and we had it. So it just had to be edited. So over the course of a couple of weeks, that all got done. And then, um, you know, this past weekend, the fans got to see it, a two hour concert. And, you know, it was great. It went over great and really proud that we got to just, you know, and we gave it away. You know, no, we don't charge for things like this. We don't charge for our live streams. It's, you know, it's it's a it's a pandemic. You know, people people are hurting. So we just kind of want to give people something to look forward to may, maybe once a month. Right. And you guys are doing it so well. And like I said, you you know your fans by name. You know them like by face. Like if when they walk into like a meet and greet, you know, you're like, oh, that's so and so and that's so and so. And you know their whole backstory. So you, you've done a great job. Have you guys done anything else besides the virtual cruise and the live streams for your just fan engagement in 2020? Um, that That's about it. I mean, we're each kind of individually do our own things on social media. So and, you know, I've also done a lot of Zoom calls with fans. They'll organize it through our PR people and they'll be like, you know, I'll get on with like eight to 10 girls and then just ask me questions for like a half an hour. <laughs> I try to do that like once a week with half an hour, maybe three or four different groups of girls. And that, you know, that's more of a, they just get to talk to me. You know, it's not the same as when it's the five of us together, but you know, it's something. And I think individually we've all been trying to do little things to stay connected to the fans. So House Party, your new song and video starring Carrie Underwood, by the way, which she was great in the video. Um, it's so well received and it benefits a charity called No Kit Henry. Can you tell us a bit about the importance of giving back during these times? And please tell our listeners about your incredible organization, Remember Betty. Donnie came up with that idea to do the song. I, it was just like right as the pandemic started, maybe we were a month in, he, he sent me a little clip of a track. He's like, what do you think? I was like, for what? It's good, but for what? He's like, <laughs> we're going to do a quarantine song. 
And I think he was really inspired by um, D-Nice in Club Quarantine. He had been listening to that. I, we've all listened to it at one point or another. And I think he was inspired. It came out really good. We you know, had Boys to Men on it with us. Uh, Jordan Sparks. That's all. Oh, Naughty by Nature's on it, too. So, you know, it was, it was just a great thing. And, you know, we raised money for No Kid Hungry. And it's always important to give back like that. And, you know, I've been doing it the whole 12 years we've been back together. I lost my mother in 1999 to breast cancer. So I've always wanted to do something in her name. And the foundation's called Remember Betty. And we just raise money to help people as they're going through treatment financially. You know, it can be expensive and insurance doesn't cover everything all the time. So we're very practical with it. We just try to help them maybe pay their mortgage or like help them get groceries or just practical things like that. And, it, it, you know, it's a small foundation. We've raised over um, close to uh, $4 million. So, wow, $4 million. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, o- over a long, you know, over the over the 12 years. So, you know, it's it's something that I'm always trying to expand and, you know, to think of new ideas and coming up on next month, I'm doing like a paint and sip thing. I mean, I don't even know how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a trend. I've heard of it. The paint. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's a it's a virtual thing, but it's it's yeah. another way just and I'll just be on it kind of hosting it with the artist that's doing it. So, um. You know, it's just another way to raise raise some money for the foundation and to help some people that are struggling with breast cancer. That's amazing. Well, Danny, as your fan and as your friend, this has been an absolute treat and such a pleasure. I could talk about all of this stuff with you for days, um, but I know your time is limited and I respect that. This discussion today is beyond what I could have ever dreamed. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. And a special thank you to all the blockheads who might be tuning in today, right? Yeah, of course. They're the oh, best. They're the best. They're the best. They're in an unofficial family and we stay to, we stay connected online despite the halt of physical concerts and physical events. We're still all connected. Is there anything you'd like to add to today's discussion, Danny? Uh, no, this has been a really great interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Danny. Um, For more information, please visit RememberBetty.com and NKOTB.com. You can find Danny at DannyWoodOfficial on Instagram and DannyWood on Twitter. Um, And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. Give us a rating and a comment. Follow us at LicenseGlobal.com for up-to-the-minute licensing news and analysis. And until next time, thank you so much for listening to The Licensing Mixtape.